Handle on the News. Handle on the News! And by the way... Bill Handel. Should have been handled a long time ago. And now, here's Bill Handel. All right. Good morning, everybody, and uh, welcome on a uh, Thursday. Oh, Handel and the morning crew, Jennifer Jones-Lee, good morning. Good morning. And uh, Rich Verrata. Hey, Handel. Who's not only here today on our show, filling in for Wayne, he's also co-hosting with uh, Gary Hoffman this morning. Yes. No kidding. Yes. I would much rather co-host with uh, Shannon Farron. I understand. (laughs) Man. Alex, good morning. And uh, John Ramirez, good morning, just waves. Doesn't even say anything. It's radio, John. Yeah, yeah. Is the only thing is the only thing you say is as in eyeballs. Well done, okay. John. All right, excellent. All right. Well, how much time do you think we're going to spend on Anthony Kennedy today? Huh? Little, like four hours. Yeah, no, not quite four hours. But man, uh, that has changed everything, uh, and not only his resignation, but also what's going to happen with others resigning, as in Ruth Bader Ginsburg. And I'll explain why when we do the various segments. She's not resigning. Oh, yes, she is. You just wait. Uh, She is absolutely going to resign, and I'll tell you why later on. Also, if uh, for those of you that are gay, you better get all your sex in really quickly. (laughs) If you're going to dork each other, you better do it fast. Wow. Dork? I've I've never heard that either. Really? No. That's That's a verb. Okay. To dork, we dork. They shall dork. We have dorked. Is that what today's going to be like? What is the pluperfect of that? Um, <laughs> I don't even know what a pluperfect is anymore. I shall, I shall have dorked. <laughs> we were dorked. <laughs> oh, man. You know, there's a great line, though, with, when you, with this Justice Kennedy thing. Great line out of Tombstone when Clanton tells the Earps before the gunfight at OK Corral, you got a fight coming, and it's coming soon. And... I think we're going to see a four-month fight here. Um, we will, which is a shame uh, because uh, nomination of Supreme Court justices have become uh, just political fights, and they shouldn't be. No, it's not they about being not. qualified anymore. No, it is not that about being. That used to be the uh, requisite. Right. Are you qualified? Or right. Is this guy yeah. qualified That's or not it. qualified? And all of if you look at the potential justices, a short list, uh, they're all astoundingly qualified. Their credentials are nothing short of... Just great creds. It doesn't matter. Yeah, because all, they're all astoundingly conservative now, that's right. too, and yeah, that's, more conservative than just this Anthony Kennedy. Yeah, but that's, guess what? That's the cost of electing a conservative pre- president, uh, which all of us knew was going to nominate very conservative justices, and uh, we voted him in. I mean, I didn't. I, I voted for the dead gorilla. Who, uh, Harambe, I actually wrote in Harambe the Dead Gorilla for president, <laughs> who I understand got several thousand votes. Remember the Cincinnati, you. Cincinnati Zoo? <laughs> I do not. Oh, it's great. great. That, that's Harambe. You can look it up. Harambe the Dead Gorilla. Anyway, uh, it's that this it worked the way it's supposed to work. And Democratic lawmakers have already said so much as I'm paraphrasing here, but it doesn't matter who you put up there. We're going to fight you on it. It's crazy. Now, does it matter if it breaks down uh, along uh, party lines? No. No. Of course course he will, in fact, uh, he will be confirmed, whoever it is. You know, what the Democrats, though the leading Democrats are saying is we need one vote. 
Yeah, you know that's what they're talking. That's but what they're it, talking. We need we need Jeff Flake, or we need Lisa Murkowski, on the or other, we need on Susan the other, Collins to swing over to the other yeah. side. On uh, that's true. That's true. But uh, it's going to go down party lines, and it and there should be some Democrats that go the other way. Actually, it <laughs> should never happen. Forget uh, that. It shouldn't be. Well, uh, Clarence Thomas won by one vote, uh, but there was not only a conservatism it's, as he's. Uh, now probably the most conservative member of the court, I would guess, after Scalia died. And he, um, uh, he so he was confirmed, and the only stipulation, no coke in uh, <laughs> in chambers. So Roberts is kind of going to be. Yeah, that's, that was the pubic hair on the coke can, Anita uh, Hill. Uh, God bless America, yes. 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 Jennifer was trying to go on. No, I know. that's why I just. <laughs> When I know he's going down a road, sometimes I try and steer him back. Like, come on, get back on the road. But, okay. Good luck so, with that. But Roberts is going to be the moderate. Yeah. Right? Yes. Uh, yeah. Can you imagine? Well, he'll be the most moderate. He will yeah. be the most moderate. And you're going to have uh, certainly another Scalia. And when Ruth Bader Ginsburg retires, which I am convinced she will. I don't see how this. Uh, I, where are you getting this from? What, from? Well, okay. how does, what does this have to do with Ruth Bader Ginsburg? I will tell you exactly. She was holding off. In the hopes that uh, Trump would, A, lose the next election, a Democrat would come in, and there would be, again, uh, not just a swing vote, uh, but it would be uh, another liberal vote. And now there's no reason for her to do that. The court is now solid five to four conservatives. So what difference does it make whether it's five to four or six to three? It's going to be exactly the same. So uh, why stay? She's been there a zillion years. She's old. Is she healthy? Uh, I, don't I think so. I, Relatively. She, she maybe Doesn't she have, uh, was it Sandra Day O'Connor uh, who uh, left to, because of her husband uh, who had uh, ALS? I think one of the hmm. justices uh, and uh, who left simply to take care of uh, her husband. Was it, I, I, don't, I don't remember who it was. I think Ruth Bader Ginsburg's husband passed a few years ago. Yeah. Anyway, let's just do it. This Lisa. Kennedy thing, though, is is interesting. Oh, oh you, are you going more into Justice oh, Kennedy here? Oh, yeah. yeah. Because he, he has sided on the liberal side in several some times. Yeah, that's going to stop. That's right. over. Gay exactly. marriage. Gay dorking is done. Finished. All right, Roe v. Wade is going to be overturned. Wow. Well, I don't know if Not, it's going to be overturned. It's probably going to be chipped away at because there's uh, there's precedence, strong precedence, and the court very rarely turns, uh, uh, reverses itself. Uh, that's called Starry Decisis. Great song, by the way. Starry, Starry Decisis. What? Okay, Are that you- was... <laughs> I knew that there was going to be this kind of morning. Did you? Right out of the chute. I felt it. All right, that was our lead story, by the way, and we'll do plenty more at... Uh- at seven o'clock, you know, I don't think the, I don't think the Democrats are holding any card. They say they're going to fight. Yeah, there's no. I reason. wish they would fight. Why? I would, you know, but why? there's what, what cards are they holding? They're not. That's but, the thing. But let they, me ask you, why? Why do you wish they would fight when our because system, I don't want a, a right wing uh, nut court. But that's the president. We had a left wing nut court when it was William O. Douglas and it was Earl Warren and it was insanely left wing. Thurgood Marshall. Crazy left wing. Yeah, that wasn't nuts. That was good for the country. Well, there you go. Yeah. See. Wow, you were yeah, right yeah. handle. Oh, I, I'm telling you, you. Oh yes, I. Oh yes, I am. We'll be back and start going with plenty more uh, of the news hour.
my handle here on a Thursday. Of course, the biggest story that we're covering by a long shot is Anthony Kennedy, just Associate Justice Supreme Court, is retiring. Sent the letter to the president yesterday uh, saying he is done July 31st. You know, I know you want to move on here, but real quickly, the one thing that we didn't mention in that opening is that uh, the two sides now are uh, taking sides in terms of what Mitch McConnell did with That's Merrick Garland right. in 2016. And he's saying too bad. And now the Democrats are, are saying, you know, McConnell set the president right. saying that we can't, uh, uh, we cannot uh, have yeah, an appointment yeah. and a vote right. during an election year. But McConnell's saying no. We said it was during a presidential and during a lame duck president's career. Yeah, I know. So it's now all, that there's that collision coming yeah, too. That's, but that's but McConnell makes that call, so that's going to happen. All right, let's go beyond more handle on the news. A woman's live-in boyfriend has been arrested for murdering her ten-year-old son in Lancaster. All right, and we knew this was going to happen. Yeah, it was just a question of investigation. Although an interesting spin on this is uh, that uh, this ten-year-old. Uh, yeah, Anthony uh, Avalos died. Uh, remember, we described that, uh, or it was described, that he had c- cigarette burns on his body. Uh, the um, sheriff, Jim McConnell, says, uh, no, uh, that was grossly overstated. Well, we're, well, if the injuries were grossly overstated, yeah, where did that come from? Uh, they don't know. News reports came out. Now, that's not to say, I mean, he was still arrested for murder, uh, the dad here, but it was uh, the cigarette burns, the uh, the bruises, et cetera. Right. The uh, uh, McDonald, the sheriff, saying that is not the case in terms of the apparent injuries. Here's the L.A. County Sheriff's Captain, Chris Berger, Bergner, who says there were signs of abuse. Listen to his description. There uh, were some injuries on Anthony, but we don't want to make any statements as to the extent of the injuries until we have some type of medical certainty from the coroner's office. And the other thing is, after Kareem Leva was arrested yesterday, he's the live-in boyfriend, uh, sheriff's officials say he apparently cut himself near the neck before the interview. Uh, just crazy. Uh, here's another one. Another one. A man in Rialto has been arrested for the murder of his five-year-old son. It should, this is getting crazy. 7.30, I'm going to go through, uh, unfortunately, a way too long list of these circumstances. Uh, uh, and the argument is going to be the uh, Department of Family and Children's Services failing us and failing those kids miserably. What is up with people abusing yeah. these, oh, these children? Are, these are crazy people. Children. I mean, these people are so, they're so depraved uh, that when you take an innocent uh, child, and they and the kid has no place to go. Where does the child go? Well, that's it. He was living with his dad. His mother was living in Texas. Yeah. Or he lived in Texas with his mom. I'm sorry. He lived in Texas with his mom but had been visiting his dad. But I'm still not sure. How how did the mom not know what was happening? Now we have a little bit more insight into what went down at that Long Beach retirement facility where a firefighter was killed. Yesterday, all my troubles Thomas, Thomas Kim uh, was getting into, uh, had an altercation with a woman living above him at the assisted living facility. So he attempted to kill her uh, and uh, he did that with a bomb. And uh, that was the fire, and the police show up, and he's at the end of the hall waiting for the firefighters. And when they hit the hall, unleashes, uh, kills the captain, and uh, seriously wounds uh, the other firefighter that was with him. What, what? So what was this all about? No one knows, other than he had a pissing match uh, with, with the lady above. Yeah. Yep. Well, how, how that translates into killing uh, the firefighters, I don't know. Other than I'm going to make sure that that fire is not put out. I don't know. 
Could have been. Uh, the unions across Southern California, as you can imagine, have had a very strong reaction to the Supreme Court decision over union fees. And now you have uh, union members protesting, as in why? They're why are you going to protest out. what a Supreme Court decision is about? Come on. Oh, and I'm sure the uh, court's going to go, oh, I see people are protesting what we say. Let's change our minds. Mayor Garcetti called the the Supreme Court ruling un-American. Oh, please. That it's chipping away at rights. We've seen this in other states with so-called right to work. What it means is the right to work without a union. I love my union. What, this one? Yes. It sucks. I love my union. I know, because you have a decent pension. That was it. Thank you, union. Thank you, after. Peace, Louise. Did you see this publicity stunt? This Yahoo yesterday who caused a heck of a traffic jam on the 110 and we now know a little bit more about this guy. I am one of those. Yeah. 29-year-old uh, rapper, DeFree. And uh, this whole thing was part of a video that he was producing. He's that, dancing and shouting yeah. from a bullhorn. I appreciated he would stop, though, and, and take a break and vape. Like, uh, what are you yeah. doing? Yeah. He's what? sitting up there in a boxer, and but his boxers and nothing else. When I first heard this, and I heard that he was up there... Uh, unfurling political banners and shouting from a bullhorn, I thought it was uh, John Cobell. Yeah, actually. Very, uh, <laughs> yeah. That's very funny. Pretty sure. Yeah. So he's been and videoed the whole time. Right. And he was arrested, uh, all on misdemeanor charges. The problem is when these people, when they block up traffic for hours and hours and literally shut down a freeway, that should be 15 years to life. Oh, come on. Oh, no. I'm totally on. with him. Oh, no. absolutely. I'm with you know, life. Just think gonna, about what you're saying. If you're going to commit a... Uh, no, no. Uh, maybe 25 to life. <laughs> here's here's what the guy said. So some uh, some guy who works with DeFree said, you ain't popping unless you got haters. He said that the guy wouldn't care about people being stuck in traffic because the bigger picture is saving the environment and rapping. I'm with you, Handel. Come on. He had a big message. Oh. Give yeah. a hoot. Don't pollute. That's yeah. what his sign said. <laughs> Come on. Yeah. So, for free, yeah. so give a hoot, don't pollute yeah. equates to 15 to life. Yeah. How about era. sending in the mail or go to jail? <laughs> okay. And if the glove don't fit, yes. you must acquit. Yes. Let's just do it. Uh, take another break. All right. Jennifer Jones. Handle here and the morning crew. Uh, the big story, of course, I mean, the big story, Anthony Kennedy, the Associate Justice Supreme Court, has just resigned. And so the next session, there ain't going to be no Anthony Kennedy. And so there's lots to talk about that. I'll start that at 7. Okay, more Handle on the news. Jennifer Jones-Lee, uh, Rich Murata in for uh, Wayne this week. Rich is also co-hosting with uh, Gary Hoffman on uh, the uh, Hoffman and uh, Shannon show. All right, uh, let's move on. One reunion a day. I pity the yep. Uh, the, uh, remember the 2,300 kids separated from their families uh, in custody and uh, president signed an executive order, no more separation, leaving those 2,300 uh, kids in limbo. And uh, the... Uh, administration said we are going to uh, in fact uh, find their family members and i think one of the problems is, is they don't know who their parents are that's one cases. of the problems also vetting people uh finding out first of all uh people coming forward sponsors family members and then vetting them and i'm willing to bet the sponsors are coming 
uh, down very few and far between because they get arrested if they're illegal aliens. Well, that's just it. Remember, there was the kid who had escaped from, not escaped, he'd walked away from one of the holding centers. And they said that he was to be reunited with his dad. Well, then they determined that the guy who said he was his dad wasn't, in fact, his dad. Well, his dad could be illegal and sent somebody else said, go pose as me so you can pick up my son. And that's that could be the case in a lot of these situations. Yeah, we don't know. We don't. We don't know the timeline. A timeline. We don't know how aggressive uh, the uh, department is, as Health and Human Services, that are in charge of doing this. Well, six kids. That doesn't yeah. sound too aggressive no. to me. Well, and you're right. And they're not giving any information out. There is zero transparency. What's going on? So, at the rate of six kids, what is that? Twenty three. Six kids into two thousand one per child. So we have two thousand days. Uh, how long is two thousand days? What four years? But did, no, no longer five. Yeah, whatever. But I, but what I don't understand in this story is remember how it was twenty three hundred kids, and within the first couple of days, we learned that five hundred kids had been reunited with their families. So yeah. how does that figure into this? Uh, no one knows. No one knows. This well, this whole thing is so convoluted, and it's just. I think the Trump administration hopes this goes away because the news cycle just disappears. Well, yeah, it, it hasn't been a winner for them. And, no. You know, I know, I've noticed that in a lot of these times when, uh, uh, you know, the news networks are sending cameras down to try to cover this, yeah, they, they won't w- allow com- the cameras in to go inside to right. see the cages. It's true. They won't. How can they do that? Well, they, oh, they're in allowed. some they cases can, because they, they say, say they're minors. Right. They can say that. They're allowed to not allow uh, the press into governmental facilities. Happens <laughs> all the time. There's no right for the press wow. to say I want in that building. Vice President Pence has apparently some advice for immigrants. Yeah, here we go. If you can't come here legally, don't come at all. Leaving out the part where uh, you can't come here legally because there is no possibility of you being admitted in the United States legally. If you are Hispanic, if you're from Latin America, if you're from Mexico, and you don't have the skills, the money that the U.S. government determines to be Uh, A minimum, you're not coming in. And uh, what a lot of people, I think, misunderstand is immigration is not for the benefit of immigrants. Immigration is for the benefit of the United States. We allow or don't allow people for our benefit. It's uh, people have it all wrong. Well, we want everybody in the world to come in because we are a nation of immigrants. You know, when it, when we were a nation of immigrants and people just pour over by the millions, for example, Ellis Island, we needed people. We do not need underskilled, undereducated people coming into this country. We don't. And so now becomes a moral ph- ph- uh, philosophical argument. Whose side are we on? Our side or their side? Because even though there is a very humane argument to let these families in because they're being persecuted, uh, and maybe by the millions, Rich, even you, left-wing radical, uh, you have to admit that uh, people who are underskilled and undereducated are not helping the United States very much. If if I grant you all of that, Bill, and if, uh, if I even granted Pence's statement here about, you know, people sneaking into the country illegally. Yeah. I, I just can't fathom... The families that are coming here uh, seeking asylum yeah. and presenting themselves for asylum, yep. right, for either political reasons or the fact that they're being terrorized by gangs in some of these other countries, that those people are being arrested. Uh, well, if no. If and they're detained. Coming, if there is, it's a little more complicated than that. 
if they're claiming asylum, then what happens is there is an interview with a Border Patrol agent who is an expert in this to see if there is a legal basis for asylum. Because otherwise, everybody claims asylum. They're going to argue just if I live in El Salvador, I'm eligible for asylum because all the narco, the gangs control the entire country. So if there is a determination that it is legitimate, fear of uh, persecution, and then that law is a little bit, that's a vague. little bit, yeah, it's a little bit vague. Then, uh, then, then the basis for asylum is granted. Now we go to there aren't enough judges to make the determination. It's a judge who has to rule an immigration judge. So what happens? It can be up to two years. So they're detained. Uh, it used to be catch and release under the Obama administration. What is catch and release? Well, we, we don't want to hold you for eight months or 10 uh, or two years. So here you go. We're going to let you out basically on uh, uh, it's basically bail without you putting up any money. Here's the date you show up for your immigration hearing 18 months from now. You know how many people actually show up? None. <laughs> well, I think, too, the administration has made it clear. The Homeland Security Secretary has said the attorney general has said, if you are seeking asylum, go through one of the regular ports of entry. That's a totally different – you're going to be treated completely differently than should you just try and cross the border illegally. I don't think there is a mechanism uh, at borders other than ports of entry where asylum could even be considered. Yeah, I don't think I don't think there, there is. I don't, know, I don't think now. there is. Okay, let's uh, – we can be here forever. In the meantime, <laughs> let's check in with Jennifer Jones. Morning crew. Thursday, June 28th. Of course, the big, big story that we're covering uh, that supersedes everything is uh, Justice Anthony Kennedy has announced his retirement. He is done. This is his last term. So that gives President Trump uh, the opportunity. Actually, it gives him the duty of naming a new associate justice. And he is uh, now looking at Nazi war criminals that are still alive. Uh, actually, that's not true. Maybe that's a little bit too right-wing, you think? Maybe a little. Maybe a little bit. Uh, obviously, you're going to have a very conservative court uh, now, a five-to-four court. But, you know, that's the way America works. People bitch and moan, hey, you know what? That's the president that was elected. What did you think? He said it's going to be a conservative justice that he would appoint. thing is, though, this isn't a... This doesn't mean a conservative court for the next four years that of, of no, the Trump administration. You're talking right. generations. This is you generational. Are. Yeah, absolutely. All right, let's move on. There was a summit about denuclearization, and an agreement came out of it. North Korea, North Korea said, yeah, we'll do that. So why is the Secretary of State now saying North Korea remains a nuclear threat? Yeah. He tweeted early this month, there is no longer a nuclear threat from North Korea and uh, came right back, contradicted himself. But that's what this that's what this administration does is it's constantly contradicting itself. And you just never know what it's going to say. Are they going to are they supposed to have uh, uh, further talks? Absolutely. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. They're going to keep on talking for sure. Uh, the kimchi. That's yeah, Kim Jong-un with Trump. Uh, oh, yeah. You'll see that again. Well, these are tense times. So what exactly went down when the U.S. Defense Secretary met with Chinese President Xi Jinping? Well, you're about time, about time, oh, oh, oh. 
Yep, China is uh, adamant. We are not going to move from the South China Seas. We view that as our territorial water and just too bad. And this is a huge controversy. Yeah. Uh, because if China controls the South China Seas, keep in mind, this is one of the world's uh, busiest commercial waterways. Uh, also, uh, also uh, it's military waterways, too. I mean, also, uh, military ships go through there. And China's saying it's ours. And that's a huge fight is having with the whole world. And uh, President Xi made it really cre- uh, clear. Uh-uh. This is what's causing the rising tensions? Oh, yeah, a lot or of is it. the tariffs causing Both. the Both. Both. Well, we heard this news come down yesterday about Bill Shine, the ex-Fox News executive who was chatting with the president about becoming now part of his communication staff. But it looks like, in fact, that's going to happen. The problem with anybody working for the president as a comms director is uh, that that person has absolutely no influence. Where it used to be that the communications director, is a, it's a cabinet level position. That establishes the messaging. Well, Hasn't he gone through about four of these already? Yep, yep, and he's toxic. I'm sure he's asked 20 people, and uh, Shine is number 21. Well, Hope Hicks left a while ago. Yeah, she had no influence whatsoever. You never even saw her, really. So, n- zero. The comms director should be someone who has in- influence. Not a chance. Disney's insurance company is suing Harvey Weinstein. This is kind of complicated. To avoid paying bail and legal fees. He's a tramp, but they love him. This yeah. is a twisty one. Yeah, it is. Now, just, let's just bo- blow through it real quickly. Uh, insurance was paid uh, through Disney. The insurance company had to pay out. Now they're suing Harvey Weinstein. And uh, whether they're going to make it or not, who cares? And Disney's won approval from the Department of Justice for the purchase of most of 21st Century Fox's assets. Yep. I wish I could be. Oh, very good. Uh, now, this is an important one. So it looks like they're buying 20, uh, 21st Century Fox. Uh, they were bidding with Comcast. is against Comcast. Comcast still has a chance, though, right? Just because yeah. the approval has been made doesn't mean that Comcast couldn't I, still yeah, and I don't offer. Know, I don't know how they're going to do it because uh, Disney is coming in with such a massive bid. Unless Comcast comes back. And now we're talking about buying a company overpriced overpaying for a company. And when you're talking in the tens of billions of dollars, that gets a little bit uh, scary. Now, in order to avert uh, antitrust and the reason that uh, the government is going to be okay with that from the Department of Justice is that uh, that you have Disney unloading some regional sports station that uh, 21st Century has. So that makes it, that just works. Okay, I think we're done. That's it. Uh, oh, and Joe Jackson is dead. Yeah. At least he won't be asking me every year for free tickets to the Nevada Boxing did, did Hall he, of Fame. And did he really? Yeah, he would come, but he would never pay. You gave him free tickets? Well, I don't know. I would tell the people uh, that, no, he can't have free tickets. He has to pay. But then I think they just wouldn't tell me that they gave him free <laughs> tickets. So funny. All right, guys, we are done. And uh, here we go with uh, the... The loss of uh, Anthony Kennedy. He is retiring, and oh, there is so much to talk about this one. I'll be back with that. KFI AM 640. Yes, there were times, I'm sure you knew, when I bit off more than I could chew, but through it all. KFI 
Michael here on a uh, Thursday, June 28th. Big, big story. Uh, Justice Anthony Kennedy, Associate Justice Supreme Court. The swing vote has uh, sent a letter of retirement to the president. He's out. So there'll be a new justice by the time uh, the next term in October uh, starts. And uh, also, there are other stories uh, that uh, we are covering. Uh, we've been talking about the death of 10-year-old Anthony uh, Avalos, or Avalos. Uh, he uh, was found last week unresponsive, not breathing, died the next day. And uh, we knew uh, that the person of interest was Kareem Leva, the boyfriend of Anthony's mother. He has been arrested on suspicion of uh, murder. Okay, now, uh, Anthony Kennedy. Uh, so much to talk about. What makes Anthony Kennedy's retirement so important is that he was the swing vote. When Justice Scalia died, there was no question that a lion of the Supreme Court had died. I mean, just an extraordinarily brilliant man. Uh, but in terms of importance and his influence on the court, it was no big deal. Why? Because Neil Gorsuch was then put into his place. It was just another Anthony Scalia. No change. With Kennedy now leaving the court and the swing vote, now it changes. Because you had basically a four-to-four court with Kennedy going either way. That's why they called him swing court. Depending on what the issue is, he was in, uh, let's look at the issues individually kind of justice. The other eight are either left-wing or right-wing, conservative or liberal. And you can count on them on every case to rule the same way. You know which way they're going to rule because of their philosophies and uh, what their particular viewpoints are. You just know it. So you had a four to four with a swing vote. Now that uh, you have Kennedy, the swing vote retiring, what do we have? It will be a very conservative justice. We know that. The president has already said that he is going to be putting into place Scalia's. And if you look at the short list, or you even look at the long list of potential Supreme Court justices, every one of them is conservative or super conservative. Some are wildly conservative. Others are just major conservatives. So a little bit about uh, Anthony Kennedy. And this, when we talk about Supreme Court justices, and, and, and this is the complaint I've always had, when uh, it's politics that enter into this, it's uh, it becomes ideology. Democrats are going to, I'll tell you right now, they are going to fight. It doesn't matter who, because that person is too conservative. When a liberal justice, although it's been a very long time since a pure, well, that's not true. Elena K uh, Kagan uh, was uh, a very liberal justice who was put into place. Uh, they're the conservative uh, senators fight like crazy. Now, just to give you uh, a quick rundown, a little history of uh, Kennedy. Uh, he's 81 years old, so he's been on the bench a very long time. Uh, here is his schooling. London School of Economics, Stanford University, Harvard Law. You think he has some creds? Born in Sacramento. Uh, he uh, taught constitutional law. He joined the U.S. Court of Appeals in the 70s, and in 1988, he was appointed by uh, Ronald Reagan to become a Supreme Court justice. Uh, he, at that time, was known for his conservative views. He was put into place as a conservative. 
And then what happened? Well, he became independent. And that's what happened. Earl Warren, the Warren court, you know, Miranda, uh, Brown versus Board of Education. I mean, all of those. Uh, this was an Eisenhower appointee. He was put into place as a moderate or a little bit right of center and, center, and he turned into a wild liberal. And the Warren court became the most activist liberal court in the history of the United States. And President Eisenhower, who appointed him, was quoted as saying, that was the worst mistake I made in my presidency in the two terms, and that was appointing Earl Warren as uh, chief justice. Interesting, interesting story. His dad started out as a dock worker, uh, put himself through college and law school, became a successful lawyer and a lobbyist. And uh, Kennedy, the son, the justice, honor student for most of his years. Uh, he graduated from Stanford, cum laude. I mean, it goes on and on. And he followed his dad's political affiliation, working as a lobbyist in California, all as a Republican, became friendly with Ed Meese, who was very close to Ronald Reagan. See, this is how it works, is the more you know, the people you know, the farther you go. It's who you know. And in most cases, it's people that are politically connected. But in this case, it is not, because Donald Trump does not have political connections. People don't have political connections to Donald Trump, because his first political job is president of the United States. So he is looking simply at philosophy, writings, and credentials of Supreme Court justices, which I think is a great idea. And uh, so what has he done? Well, let me give you some, uh, just some of the, uh, the dissensions. Uh, he has voted in favor of the Affordable Care Act. He voted in favor of uh, gay marriage. He voted in favor of Citizens United, uh, which uh, the conservatives love. Of course, gay marriage goes the other way. Truly a swing vote for sure. All right. Coming up, what's going to happen now that Kennedy is gone? Oh, we're going to go in that direction, too. This is KFI AM. Michelle's in here this morning. There really is Michelle, right there. What are you doing, Michelle? I'm just staring at him, giving him the look. All right, you know, here's the problem. The coffee machine is taking longer, and uh, if you drink a lot in the morning that I did, it takes longer uh, to, you know, to pee. And uh, you put the two together, and uh, that's what happened. And I hate when the show gets in the way of my coffee and peeing. Drives me completely nuts. Stupid thing. Stupid thing, yeah. Uh, all right. Oh, handle here and the morning crew. 
And uh, here we go again, right? Big story. The biggest story, of course, uh, is the uh, retirement of uh, Justice Anthony Kennedy. And we just went through uh, the uh, uh, the fact that the court is going to change so much. And what does that mean? Well, here are the big issues of the day. And this is where the court's going to go the other way. Abortion. Uh, of course, abortion has been a major issue since 1973, Roe v. Wade, wherein uh, the Supreme Court uh, ruled that abortion is a fundamental right. Where that came from, I don't know, incidentally. Uh, right of privacy. That was, according to Justice Scalia, and he's right, he said, tell me where in the Constitution the right of privacy came. Right? And I'll tell you how where the right of privacy did come from. Nowhere. Nowhere. It's sort of... Uh, out of the vapors of the Constitution. I'm not kidding you. Justice Justice Blackman, in writing that decision, said it is a penumbra of rights. I don't even know what the hell that means. But it sort of evolves like ectoplasm out of the Constitution. And Scalia went nuts on that one. All right. uh, So abortion is going to be a big issue. Is abortion going to be overturned? Probably not. Because there's a lot of precedents. What it's going to be is whittled away to nothing. That's what's going to happen. Uh, Gun control is another one. That's dead. Gun control is over. The gun lobby has won. It's not even going to go up anymore. Especially now with it's going to be a super conservative court. And, uh, And the gun advocates, and I love their philosophy, and it's always been that uh, guns don't kill people, people kill people. Problem is, they do it with guns. I mean, think of the logic. Now, they could do it when you have the people that want to go out and murder. They could do it with force-feeding folks donuts and having them die of diabetes. But they don't. They do it with guns. But that's done. That's totally finished. It's off the table. So a gun, uh, the uh, gun control advocates, you can just kiss that one goodbye and uh, you're, you're done. Now, the other one uh, is gay marriage. And this is, I have to tell you, I I don't understand. Uh, I don't understand the folks that are against gay marriage. I mean, what what business is it of yours? Now, abortion is, uh, I think, is a genuine issue. And even though I'm on the side of pro-choice, certainly it cannot be argued that the people that are pro-life, anti-abortion, they have more than a legitimate argument because they say you are killing. Now, whether it's a person or not, at what point uh, the fetus becomes a person, that's all up to legal definitions. Are you killing a legal insert name of fetus or person? Or You see, it's they view this as murder, and there is a legitimate arg- argument for that. So Roe v. Wade and the issue of abortion I see as legitimate argument on both sides gay marriage come on really do you really care if the two guys that get next door get married well god didn't intend to get married oh come on i mean it well the sanctity of marriage uh is well your marriage is unsanctified if uh, fred and george get married last, uh next door really it affects your marriage that's my argument that i have so a warning, and gay marriage uh, may disappear, by the way. The court may reverse itself. Although I think, see, what happens is the court rarely just changes its mind, mind and goes the other way. 
very, very rarely does that happen. So it's little bits and pieces. But gay marriage, a super conservative court, may very well say it's not a fundamental right. And it goes to the states. Same thing with abortion. It's not as if abortion is going to disappear if Roe v. Wade disappears, unless, unless the Supreme Court rules that fetuses are people or even uh, embryos are people and have a fundamental civil right not to be killed, then abortion becomes illegal in the United States. They're not going to go that far. All they're going to say is it's not a fundamental right. That's all. Uh, And so the states take it over, and you, the states, can decide. And, of course, California will always allow abortion because it's in the Constitution. Uh, The southern states, uh, the evangelical states, will all say abortion is illegal, and it's going to go down state lines. That's what's going to end up happening. So which way is the court going to go? Well, very quickly, because it's going to be a very conservative justice. We all know that. Uh, Gay marriage, I think, is in trouble. So those of you who are gay, you better get your dorking in right now uh, because it may very well be illegal coming up in a while. All right. Uh, Abortion, you're going to see big changes going in uh, and it's going to be whittled down. And then uh, you're going to see cases like Citizens United, uh, which, by the way, Kennedy voted in favor of Citizens United. And that was uh, the case in which uh, PACs, and you're talking about uh, political organizations not connected specifically to candidates can have as much money in them as possible. And you can't stop an individual from throwing money into these packs to help a candidate or a position. Sheldon Adelson gives $100 million a year or more to conservative causes. Under If Citizens United had gone the other way, he would not be allowed to do that. And so the argument is going to be people who have tons of money have undue influence. Well, they always have, but now uh, they have incredible influence. That's what's happening with the court. So we're the, the other issue is uh, which justices are on the short list. So let's do that before we go to the uh, poor kids who uh, have been abused and killed and tortured in L.A. County. But I'm going to give you a, a little reality check here because uh, I think we're looking at it without putting it in context. I know that's kind of harsh, but uh, I I think you may agree with me. So in the meantime, when we come back, who is going to be the next justice and the short list? KFI AM 640, Jennifer. Handle here on a a Thursday morning. Big news with the retirement of uh, Anthony Kennedy, uh, Supreme Court Justice. We're going to talk a little bit about the front runners, uh, the short list of of replacements. Also, uh, other news, uh, Trump and Putin. Uh, We know that uh, the summit is going to be July 16th in Helsinki. And then uh, a little bit later on at 8 o'clock, I'm going to share with you some of uh, the horror stories of the kids who have been tortured and murdered by parents and step-parents and foster parents. And uh, I want to put a little bit in context. I I do, because there is context here I want to share with you. All right. Now, uh, the president has to nominate a Supreme Court justice. That's how the Constitution works. The president nominates and the Senate 
with the advice and consent of the Senate, the uh, Supreme Court justice is, in fact, confirmed or not confirmed. I don't know what the advice, advice and consent means, nor does anybody else. But it has come to where it should be the president nominates and the Supreme, and the uh, Senate looks at the credentials. Is the justice, the potential justice, uh, is he or she qualified? That's where it should start and stop. It doesn't anymore. Now it's all ideology. How conservative, how liberal, how moderate. That is far more important than actual credentials, than qualifications. That's the way it works. Maybe it's because all of the potential nominees are amazingly well-credentialed. For example, let me go through the short list of uh, those that are front-runners, although it doesn't necessarily mean that they're going to be nominated. Sometimes a president pulls out of his hat people you've almost never heard of. But we do know that they're all conservative. The president said any any nominee he's going to bring to the table is going to be conservative. He was elected that way, which is an interesting argument, incidentally, for the Electoral College. Just a little sidebar story real quickly. And that is a president, probably the most important thing a president can do, other than maybe declare war, is choose a Supreme Court justice because that is generational. The legacy just goes on and on. And uh, the argument is, D, do we have a popular election? You know, twice in recent history, we've actually had a president elected who did not get the majority of the votes, Al Gore and Hillary Clinton. And interestingly enough, the more that this happens, the less we hear about uh, getting rid of the Electoral College. Go figure. All right. So let me spend a minute or two talking about the front runners. Uh President Trump considered Judge Thomas Hardiman last time around, uh, and then he inevitably chose Neil Gorsuch. Uh, He has built, we're talking about Hardiman, a reliable conservative reputation as a conservative. He served alongside Trump's sister, Judge Marianne Trump Barry. A lot of people don't know that his sister is a federal judge. She recommended Hardiman for the Supreme Court vacancy last year. A lot of it is who you know. And uh, he is a genuine conservative. Uh, As a matter of fact, uh, last year, uh, Hardiman signed uh, onto a decision declaring that asylum seekers cannot ask a federal district court to prevent or postpone their deportation while challenging the removal orders. Then you have William Pryor. Uh, United States uh, Court of Appeals for the 11th District. By the way, Hardiman is Court of Appeals for the 3rd District. Uh, just to give you an idea of how Hardiman or how uh, Pryor would vote on an abortion issue, he called Roe v. Wade, and I'm going to quote, the worst abomination of constitutional law in our history. Which way do you think he's going to go on that one, huh? Brett Kavanaugh. U.S. District Court of Appeals for the District of Columbia. Uh, now, uh, this is uh, someone who White, uh, White House officials were already signaling their interest in any future opening. Former prosecutor under independent counsel Kenneth Starr and appointed to the court by President George W. Bush. He had a tough time to confirmation. And he was part of helping Bush fill the courts with conservatives 
Senator Chuck Schumer said, uh, Mr. Kavanaugh would probably win first prize as the hard rights political lawyer. Joan Larson, U.S. Court of Appeals for the uh, 6th District, former Michigan State Supreme Court Justice, confirmed last year to the federal bench, criticized by civil rights groups for her past rulings and writings on gay rights. She clerked for Justice Antonin Scalia. How about that? Uh, Yeah, pretty conservative. Uh, Amy Coney Barrett, Court of Appeals for the 7th Circuit, became a hero to the religious conservatives last year when Dianne Feinstein, senator, questioned what influence her Roman Catholic fate would have on her rulings from the bench, particularly a 1998 article in which she argued that Catholic judges should sometimes recuse themselves from sentencing in death penalty cases. In other words, as a Catholic, maybe someone should recuse themselves because the Catholic churches stand on capital punishment. How about that? Conservative after conservative after conservative. And so what are the Democrats going to do? They're going to fight this. uh, Just It's going to be pulling teeth. The confirmation hearings. The hearings are going to go on forever. The justice will be confirmed, probably 51-49, because it's going to go down ideological lines. And that's what we get. And the bottom line is, every one of these, uh, anyone, every one of these potential nominees are astoundingly qualified, and that should be it. The politics is over. The president has been elected. We elected someone who said that he was going to appoint super conservative justices whenever he has the opportunity. That was his platform. This isn't a secret agenda. This isn't him slipping in a nominee that, oh, my God, look what you did. No. And that's just the way the Constitution in America works. You know, it's interesting. People who are on the other side of this ideology love the United States and love its Constitution unless it goes the other way. All right, coming up next, the fact-checking movement. Why is that so important? Oh, it is. And I'll share that with you when we come back. KFI AM 640, Jennifer Jones. KFI Handle here on a uh, Thursday morning, June 28th. The big, big story of the day was yesterday's announcement that uh, Justice uh, Anthony Kennedy, the swing vote in the Supreme Court, Uh, is leaving, retiring. So when the new session of the court opens up in the new term uh, in October, he's not on it. And by then, there will probably, according to Mitch McConnell, Senate Majority Leader, we will have a new justice. And uh, there's so much politics on that one. And uh, we'll be discussing that over the next several days. All right. Now, have uh, this happens all the time. Whenever a statement is made or a major decision is made or mainly a major statement is made by the president at the end of uh the the piece if you look at any of the major networks there is a fact finding segment right a fact checking segment we're going to go through what the president said principally the president and what the facts are and in the case of donald trump uh they're rarely the same I mean, this president just out and out lies. Not only does he contradict himself, not only does he spin, he lies. I mean, just 
that we don't see that too often with a president. So I'll bet you didn't know that there is actually an organization of political fact checkers out there. As a matter of fact, they just met in Rome and more than 50 countries were represented among these fact checkers. Uh, It's now a major, major industry. Facebook has enlisted 24 fact-checking organizations in 14 countries to help out, to help weed out fake news. Policymakers, parliamentarians, Brazil, Italy, Spain, the European Union has have sought advice and help from fact-checkers on a whole challenge of misinformation. And why is that? Why do you think fact-checking has become much, much more important? Well, I think it's all because of Donald Trump. I mean, there's always been an issue of politician and world leaders spinning. But never like this. So you have fact checkers out there. And now the problem is doubled up. And I'll tell you why. Not only in the world of Trump are the networks, all news organizations, uh, uh, perpetrators of fake news. But if the fact checkers go against the president, that's fake news. The bottom line in today's world is anything that criticizes the president, points out that whatever he said is not true, that's fake news. And the only real news is Fox News. That's real news. And what floors me is how many Americans believe that. Until President Trump said that uh, President Obama was born in the United States, how many people actually believed that Obama was born in Kenya because Trump and others, conspiracy weirdos, said that he was? It's frightening if you looked at the polls. Of course, now it's okay. Now we know he was born in Hawaii. How do we know he was born in Hawaii? I mean, outside of the birth certificates, outside of the two new newspapers uh, that noted the birth of this young Barack Obama, outside of all of that, here's the truth. When President Trump says he was born in Kenya, he was born in Kenya. When President Trump says, okay, he was born in the United States, he was born in the United States. When the president says, Fake news is what you're hearing. It is fake news. I mean, it has gotten pretty scary. So we now have, as a result of that, uh, this enormous growth of fact-checking organizations. And there is, as a result of a meeting of fact-checkers in Buenos Aires two years ago, there is now a code of principles a commitment to political neutrality, transparency, uh, funding, correction policies. Matter of fact, it really gained importance after Facebook decided it would only enlist fact-checkers who are assessed to be in compliance with that code. However, you can't believe fact-checkers if they somehow point out that 
the president, this wasn't what the president meant or what, it's just a lie and none of it is true and the numbers make more no sense and that he inherited the worst economy in the history of the United States uh, when uh, he took over from the Obama administration, far worse than the Great Depression uh, and unemployment was at the, the low. When in reality, unemployment was falling anyway, the economy was on a tear for the last year of the Obama administration. But you see, that's fake news. Even if governmental numbers prove that, it's fake news. And any fact-checking organization that looks at the stats taken from the government, Bureau of Labor Statistics, for example, General Accounting Office, any of those, it's all a lie and it's all fake news. But not the fact that unemployment is at such a low. That's not fake news. The fact that the stock market climbed to dizzying heights, which it did, under President Trump. I tell you, we're now, uh, the stock market is now below that at the beginning of the year. And you are not going to hear uh, this president talk about how great the stock market is because it may actually fall fairly precipitously. And it won't be his fault, by the way, because the stock market is cyclical. As a matter of fact, he's done everything pro-business you can possibly do. And the stock market is still going to fall because it's, because it's cyclical. But uh, any reference to the stock market falling in great numbers connected to this presidency, fake news, none of it's true. I tell you, we're in a whole new world, aren't we? All right, coming up, a story of uh, DCFS, Department of Children Family Services, uh, County of Los Angeles, is a horror story. But I want to put this in context. Uh, when we hear these stories, of, uh, these horror stories of children being ignored and you have parents who have abused and tortured these kids and not in a vacuum either. Reports were made, accusations made, investigations were made, and they still killed those kids and they weren't pulled from the house. Uh, we're going to go through a few of those stories and then I'm going to put a reality check on this because there's there's a lot to this story that is not being talked about. This is KFI AM 640. June 28th, uh, the big, big story of the day, uh, Justice Anthony uh, Anthony uh, Kennedy is retiring, uh, and uh, Trump-Putin, uh, the summit is on the books. They're going to meet July 16th in Helsinki, Finland. Or one of the other uh, stories that we've been covering, this is, unfortunately has been big news for way too long, and that is the story after story of uh, these little children who have died as a result of abuse and torture by parents, step-parents, foster parents. Uh, the last one happened on Tuesday. Uh, a five-year-old boy, we don't know the name, 29-year-old Miguel Castaneda, arrested for beating his five-year-old son to death. Crazy, isn't it? Last week, Anthony Avalos, 10-year-old from Lancaster, Found in his home, not breathing, unresponsive, after a reported fall. See, they all seem to fall, don't they? And then uh, paramedics are called, and it is so obvious they've been tortured. Uh, before his death, Anthony had suffered years of physical, sexual, emotional abuse 
at the hands of his family members. DECFS responded to 12 different complaints between 2013 and April of 2016, including sexual abuse by a grandparent when he was four. His mother's boyfriend has been arrested on murder charges. Gabriel Fernandez, now we're going back four years, right? Five years. Uh, Eight-year-old Gabriel, tortured to death by his mother and her boyfriend. He had a fractured skull, broken ribs, burned skin, missing teeth, BB pellets embedded in his groin. Paramedic later testified every inch of Gabriel's body had been abused. His mother, sentenced to life in prison without parole. Her boyfriend, Isaro uh, Aguirre, sentenced to be executed for the torture killing. And I've got eight others here. Uh, Victoria Sandoval, dead at age two. taken, And this is typical, by the way. I want to talk about this. Taken at four days old from her parents, who had 11 child abuse complaints filed against them with DCFS. She was placed in three different foster homes before reaching a couple in Placentia who were willing to foster her and adopt her. And eventually DCFS decided to reunite Victoria, reunite, who was then 25 months old, with her biological parents. During the seven months she was with them, she lost half her body weight and her hair was falling out in clumps. Two months later, she died of severe malnutrition and physical abuse. She died hungry and thirsty. The couple entered a guilty plea. Just crazy stuff. All right, so now I want to spend a moment or two putting this in context. Not defending in any way, but trying to understand how something like this can happen. First of all, let's talk about the numbers. Right, as we look at these horror stories, you think these happen more often than not. While each one is way too many. 150,000 investigations are done per year by D, uh, DCFS. 150,000 a year. Also, in terms of taking away a child, the presumption in the law says under every circumstance you possibly can run across the child should be reunited with parents. All things being equal. So, DCFS is up against 150,000 investigations per year where these social workers uh, have way too high a caseload and a policy they have to fight if they even want to take a child away. Now, in these cases where enough evidence is, in fact, presented, these social workers who miss, miss it all should be punished. As a matter of fact... In the case of Gabriel Fernandez, the four social workers involved are looking at criminal charges because they covered up and they just lied. And they said they went out when a report was made that Gabriel Fernandez was suffering. And they said they went out there and investigated and everything was copacetic. And they didn't. They lied about it. Uh, They should go to jail. But a lot of these come in where an allegation is made. The child is investigated. The child is pulled aside by himself or herself and quite often says, I'm fine. There's nothing wrong. Is a physical examination does uh, happen? Uh, 
Is the child taken to a doctor and clothes taken off to look to see if there is any abuse, physical abuse present, obvious? Usually not. So you have to guess correctly. You have to determine correctly. These cases, which I believe are outlier cases, should be looked at. These employees should be punished, should be disciplined when it goes too far, Uh, They should be prosecuted. And in most of these cases, there was enough evidence where you had the social workers uh, simply say, this is crazy. Although in some cases, the judge returns the children to the parents, even as against the recommendation of the department. That's the other point, is the department, instead of taking a child away, remember, it has to go in front of a judge before it becomes permanent. And a judge can ignore the recommendation, and does in many cases. So I just want to give you some context here in terms of trying to understand the big picture, because there is a big picture. All right, continuing on, Chinese college uh, teachers and students, you have to be perfect. You have to be Barbie. Let me explain what's happening in China. This is fascinating stuff. KFI AM 640, let's check in with uh, Jennifer Jones. Take a trip to Sunset Boulevard in the city of stars. The city of and this is uh, KFI Handle here on a uh, Thursday, momentous Thursday, June 28th. Uh, of course, the, <clears throat> excuse me, the uh, resignation, the retirement of Justice uh, Anthony Kennedy. Well, that's going to change the court. It's going to change America in a big, big way. And so we're just now awaiting who is going to replace uh, Justice Kennedy. The swing vote, which is not going to be a swing vote anymore. All right. Uh, Let's move to China for a moment. Well, let's not move to China because we don't speak Chinese. But uh, there's something wonderful going on in China that I just love. The Communist Party in China has, since the revolution, has advocated the equality of men and women. And women were very important. And uh, President Xi, uh, Xi Jinping, has always said uh, women are as important as men and we have equality or want equality. Well, not so much anymore. Uh, A college in southern China, and by the way, I don't think this is just a single college. This is a movement. There is a woman, they just took her as an example, Washington Post story. Uh, She... Based on the new era of President Xi, is now being taught the female things to do how to dress, how to pour tea, how to sit. You must sit on the front two thirds of the chair, you cannot occupy the whole chair. Now hold in your belly, relax your shoulders, legs together, shoulders up. Now, the class offered only to female students, well, I would think so, aims to develop wise, study, and perfect wisdom, perfect women, where wisdom comes from studying Chinese history and culture and sunniness, from oil paintings and etiquette classes, and perfection of the application of makeup. Never very too, very, not very much. See, the Communist Party wants women educated. Oh, yeah. However, here's what's going on. Uh, The economic growth is slowing. The population is shrinking. 
And what G wants to do is bring back the idea men are breadwinners and women are first and foremost wives and mothers. Boy, sounds like America in the 1950s, right? So what G is doing now is calling for education in traditional Chinese culture to not only help prepare them for the job market, but prepare them for their domestic roles. Women's family roles are more important now. So you look at 40 years into China's economic transformation, right? Chinese women are on the average healthier, wealthier, better educated than ever before. However, they're losing ground to men. The gender gap is widening. According to traditional culture, again, this is the student that was interviewed by the Washington Post, Women should be modest and tender. Boy, they've never been to my house, have they? Men's role is working outside and providing for the family. Now, first five years of power, Xi cast himself as a champion of women's rights. In front of the United Nations, he said women's equality is a great cause. Policy has changed. China has actually arrested five young feminists thwarted uh, LGBT uh, activism. And so now Xi is pushing less for equality and instead promoting his vision of harmonious male-female households. Boy, they never looked at my household, did they? With a working father and a virtuous mother who cares for the elderly and for the children. Well, close. That's Marjorie. Uh, yeah, I doesn't care for the elderly. My mom is in an assistant living facility. But Marjorie's got a heart the size of Texas. She does. She does. As a matter of fact, when we talked about uh, my, my mother coming in and Marjorie maybe helping out to care for her, Marjorie was very generous. You bring your mother home and you're never walking in the door again, Handel. Oh, okay. She probably wished you would bring him home <laughs> home if that was the case. So this is... Uh, Confucian values at the core of Chinese culture, which I couldn't agree with more. Barefoot and pregnant. Handle. That's where we want women to be. Worst, what year was the worst year in the history of the United States? 1920. Why is that? Jennifer? Because women got the right to vote. That is correct. And after that, our culture went to hell in a handbasket. She has the right attitude. Handle, Alex, quit laughing at him and slap him. Handle. You on. have no idea how badly, how much I have to restrain myself every day, y'all. You don't Whatever's know. Whatever's in your hand right now, throw that at him. No, it's, it's an apple. Oh, it's never a, mind. Yeah. Handle on the news, late edition, coming up. All right. Jennifer Jones, Lee, who should not be working. You should be home and pregnant and barefoot, by the way. Uh, you, do, you do the news then, mister. No. That's what I thought. Prosecutors say that. Handle on the news. Late edition. Handle on the news. This is wrong. You know, I don't care who you are. You don't, don't. Bill Handle. Down a storm right now. And now, here's Bill Handle. All right. Handle here. It is, oh my goodness, a Thursday. And of course, the big, big story that we're covering uh, the retirement of Anthony Kennedy uh, yesterday announced it. And so uh, come the first Monday in October when the new court 
comes into uh, when they start their term, there'll be a new justice. Yeah, boy, did he hand Donald Trump a gift. As a matter of fact. Gift wrap, baby. That is our lead story. And that is the retirement yesterday. Now, in absolutely the weirdest statement that I have heard from the president amongst weird statements, but this is right up there in really weird land. He's in North Dakota and says that he is honored that Anthony Kennedy decided to retire during his presidency. Huh? He's honored that he's retiring. Mm -hmm. And then he said at a rally in Fargo that he felt confident. He's talking about uh, Kennedy now. He felt confident in me to make the right choice and carry on his great legacy. That's why he retired. Oh, boy. Mm -hmm. Brother. I'll tell you, he has no intention of appointing a guy that's going to carry on the way that Anthony Kennedy did. Not even close. That's right. Not even close. For example, when uh, Donald Trump won the not, when he won the presidency, the night that he won the presidency, and he said uh, very graciously about Hillary Clinton, I'll be looking at her for guidance, and she's a wonderful human being and <laughs> ran a wonderful campaign. That's what he said. And then when he, meet, uh, he met at the White House, that last meeting, the traditional meeting, with uh, the the previous president, uh, Barack Obama, he said, I will turn to uh, President Obama for <laughs> yeah. guidance and we'll talk to him on a regular basis. Uh, yeah. 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 So You know uh, something, though? And it's, and it's already been proven, I think, in the number of positions that he's taken, the number of moves that he has made or attempted to make. And now with this uh, being his second Supreme Court justice, no matter what you think of Donald Trump, and as you know, I think he's a detestable, despicable, horrible man, okay? How do you really he, feel? He, <laughs> he is going to be the most influential president of our time. Yeah, he's going to be, certainly in terms he's of... He's going to have more influence. Right, because as he said, I want someone to be on the bench for 40 years. You're going to see, well, it won't be 40 years, but certainly 30 years, you're going to see people in their 50s, maybe even in their 40s, who become Supreme Court justice. By the way, this segment... Handle on the news late edition brought to you by Lifteak. Look years younger because you need it without facelift surgery. Go to lifteak.com. Okay, so much for the promo. We heard heard yesterday the Trump Putin summit was going to happen, and now we know when and where. Very good. All right, this is hilarious. Why? Because, uh, first of all, the president is going to talk uh, with uh, Vladimir Putin about national security issues. Fair enough. And we're being told by the White House the issue of the Russian meddling in the 2016 election will be brought up. I can see that. So, Mr. President, to Vladimir, Vladimir Putin, you didn't meddle in the election, did you? Don't even answer that. I know you didn't. (laughs) Here's what Karen Travers told me this morning. Here's what she said. The president said Wednesday in the Oval Office that he and Putin will discuss Syria and Ukraine and many other subjects. I asked if that includes Russia's election meddling, but the president would only say, you never know what happens in meetings. What the hell does that mean? (laughs) Also, the issue of bringing Russia back into the G7, making it the G8, because uh, you remember that the G7, uh, the... um, economic powerhouses, the top seven economics, uh, economic countries in the world, tossed Russia out after the Ukraine business. Right. And Russia and Vladimir, and uh, the president wants to bring Russia back in. Say, in this reality, yeah. I, I agree with him. Say, well, don't hey, you think this is going to piss off our NATO allies? Oh, of course it does. But he likes that. 
Okay. Have you ever tried to sit down and figure out why Trump is sidling up with our enemies and why he's pissing off all of our allies? No idea. No idea. None. The U.S. military has joined in the search for that boy soccer team that's missing in a cave in Thailand. Yeah. This was an outing that uh, the coach was taking these kids and they went into the caves and uh, you have a flood, big time rains, flood, and they don't know where those kids are. Uh, this is Thailand's longest cave and uh, has a bunch of chambers. Uh, some could still be above flood water. Uh, they don't know. It's uh, the Chilean search for miners all over again. Wow. So they just wonder, it was just like a sightseeing Yeah, tour. They had yep. practiced all day, and then the coach takes them in there afterwards. Like, you know, here's a little yep. reward for your hard work kind of thing. And then this happens. Michael Jackson's uh, daughter, Paris, is now tweeting about her final moments with her grandfather, Joe Jackson. Gave him uh, big kudos. Yeah. She uh, really liked him a lot. Of course, uh, Michael Jackson, his son, not so much. But, you know, she never probably saw the side of him that Michael Jackson saw. I'm sure. I'm sure. Maybe he was kind and gentler to her. Oh, usually you are to grandkids. Yeah. Yeah. Usually you are, yeah. The Jackson kids have been pretty private, haven't they? They have, for the most part. I don't know if they do it on their own accord or if they've been hidden from the public. They are. Uh, Michael Jackson has been very careful about uh, being a dad to these two kids. Did you know that, Michael, that those two kids were born of a surrogate mother? The Debbie... Debbie Rowe. Yeah, Debbie Rowe. She carried uh, she carried those children as a surrogate mother and then walked out the door pursuant to an agreement that Michael Jackson made with her. Wow. That, that, was, that they would just become his kids, period? Yep. And what's fascinating, because people ask me about it, well, did you do it? No, I didn't do it at all. It didn't go through my center. And I had mentioned uh, that Debbie Rowe would never have been accepted in my program as a surrogate mother. Why? Uh, first of all, she had never had children before. And oh, really? that, and they have, that have previous experience? Oh, yeah, really? absolutely. Oh, absolutely. That's a given for a whole what bunch of reasons. Why is that? Because you need informed consent. They have to know what they're getting into being pregnant. So you have the issue of informed consent. Also, huh. we don't want anybody that has insanely difficult pregnancies. I don't yeah. want anybody sitting in labor for 48 hours. Let's easy pregnancies, uh, emotionally fit, passing all the psychological testing. When I first started uh, in surrogacy, now we're talking 1980 when I first uh, wrote my first contract, uh, it was really important that uh, psychological uh, counseling be done. I'm not, I'm not the most brilliant guy in the world, but, well, maybe I am. But uh, it was, I certainly established the model saying there must be psychological counseling on both sides, both huh. the parents and the uh, surrogate. And you know Why? Because as I was starting the practice, I realized uh, I have to sleep on with the lights on at night. I'm afraid of the dark. And I'm going to make a decision who's, as to who's going to be in or out? How's that for really understanding the issue? Very pragmatic. Yes. Let's take a break. Debbie. Oh, sorry, not, not Debbie Rowe. Jennifer <laughs> Jones Lee. I'm sorry. So give me the green light. Because I'm ready to go. Handle here. It is a Thursday, June 28th. Uh, the biggest story of the day by a long shot is uh, Anthony Kennedy, Supreme Court Justice, retiring. So now uh, the president is looking at which of the conservative uh, potential justices he is looking at. So it's going to be either very conservative 
uh, prohibitively, punitively conservative or, gee, I didn't know someone could be that conservative. All right, let's move on and uh, finish up Handle on the News Late Edition. Jennifer Jones-Lee and... uh, Rich Murata in for Wayne this week and me. Want 10 grand and want to be your own boss? Amazon has a deal for you. Starting today, you can actually apply to start your very own small business delivering Amazon Prime packages in Amazon branded vans and uniforms. I don't know. I know you get a lot of stuff delivered, Handle. Yeah. And have you noticed lately more and more of the stuff that's being delivered is just like random Joe in his Toyota Camry that pulls up to the house and he's dropping stuff off. At least that's what I've been experiencing. Yeah, I don't. Lately. No, I don't notice that because uh, I'm not around when the delivery deliveries are made. But it's usually FedEx or it's UPS, depending on where we're Marjorie's buying from. Uh, but uh, here's a, a stat, uh, and I should have known this, although it's stunning. Amazon ships five billion packages a year. That's a lot of packages. Did they ever start doing the drone thing? They were going to. Uh, no, they're still working on it. I mean, the drone thing was just Jeff Bezos having a good time. It, it's small. You know, it's basically it's good for drug deliveries. Well, you know, it was good for a couple pounds of cocaine. That's all it's good for. And you can for. purchase that on Amazon? Uh, yeah. Oh, really? I feel like that's not what it was intended for, but, you know. That's what it's going to end up but, being used for. Well, you never know. But honestly, I would appreciate these people being in these branded vans because when these random vehicles do pull up into your driveway. Yeah, you don't know who the hell they not, are. You don't know who it is. And some guy's walking to your door carrying something, and it's like, uh. Could be a bomb. Handy Graham. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Landshark. <laughs> Well, the most far-reaching privacy law in the country is headed to a vote in the legislature here in California. Yeah, how unusual is California? And that is uh, you've got uh, people that hang on businesses, uh, won't be able to use your information without your permission, but in a big way. uh, and, And companies can be held accountable for potential abuse of their data. And they literally threw this thing together over the weekend. So it's just more and more privacy. I hate privacy. (laughs) You hate privacy? Yeah. I'm totally in favor of business knowing everything about you, Rich. (laughs) Oh, God. If if you're holding a joint right now, say it along with me. Dude, I just got 10 mil from my cultural center. Yeah. I was born in East LA, and I was born. Cheech Marin Cultural Center was actually written into the budget. Now, it, now uh, it's this is one of those that sounds ridiculous on its face, but uh, he had uh, one of the uh, biggest uh, collections of Chicano art. Yeah, which really? I think he, yeah, yeah, yep, which I think he donated, and it's going to be part of uh, uh, which school? It's um, was it UC Riverside or the Riverside Art Museum? And uh, they're putting a wing together, and the state threw in ten million dollars. Yeah. Why not? 30 states have now... In the meantime, the homeless people next door uh, won't be getting jack. All right. 30 states have now legalized weed after Oklahoma gave it the green light. Oh, a bag of weed, a bag of weed. Oh, everything is better with a bag of weed. Oh, you don't need pep and you don't need speed because everything is better with a bag of weed. And it was Tuesday that... Oklahoma became the latest state in the U.S. to go ahead and approve broad access to marijuana. Oklahoma. 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 Wow. Where the wind comes sweeping down the plains. Yeah. And now it's weed. Amazing. Now, Jeff Sessions is still trying to close that down, though, right? I mean, he he's, he's he, not going to. He will never close it down because you have the. Uh, what's the senator from Colorado? The Republican senator from Colorado. 
Oh. Who made it very clear to Sessions, uh, you stop marijuana on a national level, you're never going to see my vote again on anything. I'm going to go against uh, the administration. Basically, uh, he threatened that he would vote Democrat. If Oh, yeah. <laughs> and it, it almost went that far. So, the gardener? so what did, yes, Gardner. Gardner. And uh, it's, okay, but why? Because Colorado, of course, uh, it's it's the first state. That's the poster child of yeah. state selling marijuana. And it has been a big boon to their economy, right? Yeah, oh, huge. All right, we're done, guys. Uh, coming up. Uh, Trump and Putin's uh, first date, and where is in place? They're going to meet. Oh, and they're not going to be passing joints back and forth. Maybe they will. KFI AM 640. Handle here on a uh, Thursday. Big, big story we're covering today. Biggest one of all is uh, Anthony Kennedy. Supreme Court, um, Supreme Court Justice is retiring, so uh, President Trump will have his second nomination. Uh, of course, he'll be a very conservative justice. What a difference it's going to make in the Supreme Court. It's going to change it around completely. All right, now, uh, for, I don't know the answer to this, and maybe you do, and that is, who is Donald Trump's best friend? Is it Kim Jong-un or is it Vladimir Putin? They're pretty close. Who is Donald Trump's biggest enemy? Right now, I would think it's Justin Trudeau, the Prime Minister of Canada. As a matter of fact, when uh, Trump tweets about Trudeau, he calls him Justin, only uses his first name. Uh, He refers to uh, Kim Jong-un as Chairman Kim. It's pretty screwed up, don't you think? So, uh, the next chapter in international relations is we now have a date and a time for the Putin-Trump summit. Uh, Yesterday, it was announced that it's going to be uh, July 16th, and it's going to be in Helsinki, Finland, of all the places. All right. Now, this is great stuff. Matter of fact, the president said... It's good for the world, it's good for us, it's good for everybody, except the Western Alliance is not so thrilled about that. But Europe is not part of the world when it comes to President Trump. So the prospect of meeting with uh, Putin, and it was first raised, incidentally, during his congratulatory uh, congratulatory phone call in March after the election, even though um, there was a real issue as to the fraudulent votes The election was a fraud, which I don't understand because Putin was going to win overwhelmingly anyway. But I guess he just wanted the numbers uh, to show how big a mandate, much like uh, Saddam Hussein, with 110 percent of the population voting him for president, which is very impressive. So uh, John Bolton, national security advisor, goes to Russia, goes to Moscow, meets with Putin just before this meeting take place, actually to put it all together. And he said that face-to-face talks would benefit the world. You know, one of the things I do like about the president is he believes in sitting down with everybody and anybody when it comes to the United States' purpose in the world. Right? He thinks our position is strengthened whenever we negotiate with anybody we deal with, including Kim Jong-un, who, of course, uh, was a pariah 
in the world, still is to many people in many countries. But uh, here I think that Trump is going to move in the right direction. So he's all. He, this is going to happen when he's going to be in Europe uh, in mid-July for a NATO meeting in Brussels and uh, a working visit to uh, the United Kingdom. And that's when uh, Trump is going to meet with Putin. Of course, uh, the NATO meeting is a meeting of which uh, the president said we should be out of because NATO is, well, again, back and forth. Irrelevant and then important and then irrelevant. But, you know, that's the president. So what are they going to talk about? Well, uh, the big deal, they're going to talk about Syria. They're going to talk about trade. Now, are they going to talk about the election meddling uh, where Russia is accused of and did meddle in the 2016 elections? And as a matter of fact, I do believe the only person on this planet that doesn't believe that Russia did meddle is Donald Trump. He has actually called the allegation of meddling a hoax. And certainly uh, a collusion, the collusion, a hoax. Did he go so far as to call the meddling a hoax? I think he did. And correct me if I'm wrong. And uh, he just doesn't believe it happened. Now, uh, every single agency in the United States, I think 17 security agencies, intelligence agencies, told the president that Russia did meddle in the 2016 elections. He doesn't believe it. And his spokespeople are saying, uh, when asked, is he going to bring it up? Uh, Yes, he's going to bring it up. I would love to hear how he's going to bring that up. As I said earlier, I can just imagine that meeting with Putin. So, Mr. President, uh, this is Donald Trump speaking. Did you actually meddle in the elections? Don't even answer that because I know you didn't. There you go. Conversation over. Now, Putin, who is, Putin can't be touched. He's going to clean Trump's clock. I mean, this, Putin is uh, an astounding leader. I mean, the control he has, his ability to manipulate uh, everything around him and world events is, he's untouchable. Uh, went to the Ukraine, Crimea, nothing happened. Uh, the, when you t- and when you talk about sanctions, Russia's been sanctioned. You know how sanctions work? There are entire industries that are sanctioned. And there are massive companies that are sanctioned. Much like ZTE, the Chinese company uh, that violated American law by selling to Iranians. They they were going to shut down. The United States was going to shut down the company. I mean, the U.S. has that kind of power. And when it comes to sanctions on individuals, I think there were seven individuals that were sanctioned. They couldn't bring the money into the United States or their assets were frozen in the United States. Individuals. And that's part of uh, sanctions. When you talk about sanctions, there's a a whole array of different sanctions, all the way from we're gonna not going to let this guy come into the country anymore, no visas for him, and all the money he has here in the United States, we're going to freeze. Not take, not confiscate, but freeze. Oh, man. So we'll see what happens. Uh, This is another one of those fascinating ones. And uh, I can't wait uh, to see what comes out of uh, the president's mouth. Certainly Putin, we know exactly what he's going to say. Everything's fine. I want to talk. Negotiations continue. Uh, No, we didn't meddle. I mean, you know what he's going to say. No idea 
what uh, our president is going to say walking out of that uh, that meeting. All right, coming up, uh, let's move over to North Korea. And are they, in fact, stopping the nuclear program? Well, not quite. You see what the satellite photos are showing. KFI, let's check in with... I'm lost in the way you move, the way you feel. handle here it is a uh, thursday and of course the biggest story is uh justice anthony kennedy announces retirement and so the president will have his second supreme court justice i also think that uh, i was talking to john thomas last night ruth uh, bader ginsburg there's no reason for her to hang on anymore because it's going to be a 5-4 court and uh, what difference does it make whether it's 6-3 court or 5-4 court I think she was hanging on uh, just to, uh, to see if Donald Trump was going to lose and a, and a Democrat was going to come in. Then she could retire. All right, uh, let's move to North Korea for a moment. Uh, North Korea promises to denuclearize. And there's some discussion of what that means. But as you as you know, Kim Jong-un blew up one of his testing facilities, uh, stopped his missile testing. No missiles have been launched. Uh, and uh, stopped his Death to America rally. Uh, this year, it wasn't his annual Let's Hate America and promise to kill them. But what is going on? Well, it's expanding a nuclear research center. This is satellite photos show that there are new facilities, expanded facilities being built at one of these major centers. Huh. Well, but wait a minute. We thought that Kim Jong-un was, in fact, going to denuclearize, and he promised, and the president, of course, met with him and said, this guy said he was going to, and I feel pretty good about that. Well, uh, two times before, the the same thing was said by North Korea, right? Uh, Two major diplomatic initiatives, 1994, the early 2000, and this is what Pyongyang did. 1994, President Clinton and North Korea signed a deal, the agreed framework. Pyongyang committed to freezing plutonium weapons program in exchange for a U.S. construction of a light water nuclear reactor. Selling heavy fuel, normalized relations, which of course never happened, and formal assurances against the threat or use of nuclear weapons. Now it was 1994. By 2002... There go the nuclear facilities again, uh, full blast balls to the wall. Now, there is there's a little caveat here because the heavy fuel oil shipments and the light water reactors were either only partially delivered or not at all. So uh, you can argue that North Korea had a point. Uh, but not in the early 2000s. In 2005... Uh, discussions between China, Japan, North Korea, Russia, South Korea, the U.S., the six-party talks seemed to work, seemed to be a step forward when North Korea pledged to abandon all of its existing nuclear programs. Hmm. Think that happened? Also pledged to return to the non-proliferation treaty. No additional nuclear weapons to be built. Matter of fact, the deal we made with Russia, of course, to reduce the number of nuclear weapons. And uh, so that's a pretty good deal. 
And it looked like it was a diplomatic win for George W. Bush. Uh, The next year, Pyongyang launched its first nuclear test. And those six-party talks continued to the next year. And the uh, nation began disabling its young beyond nuclear plant. Uh, But that didn't work either. Because by the next year, uh, North Korea restarted its nuclear program and barred nuclear inspectors. And walked out of all negotiations in 2009. So where are we going with this? Well, North Korea, not only through Kim Jong-un, but certainly through his father, Kim Jong-il, they negotiate, and they're very sharp negotiators. Uh, As all the Americans have said, who have talked to Kim Jong-un in North Korea, these are sharp, sharp negotiators, much like China. They give nothing up. They know exactly what they're doing. And every one of them... And every deal that's been made at this point, North Korea has abrogated. It's a lot like the treaties that the United States made with the American Indians. You know, throughout all the Indian wars and throughout the history of this country. Just abrogated them. Just lied. Out and out. No issue. Can't even argue they didn't. Just gone. And that's what's happening uh, today. So, the president... Uh, believes that on a personal level, he and Kim Jong-un can somehow cut a deal. We haven't even, and it hasn't been discussed or defined, what denuclearization even means. So when we talk about negotiations, we haven't even gotten that far. It's much like uh, the negotiations with the end of the Vietnam War. Do you know there was over a year of negotiations about the shape of the table. I'm not kidding. At least months. Is it going to be a round table? Is it going to be a square table? Is it going to be an elliptical table? Where are people going to sit? How many people will be at the table? Now, we're not talking about any of the meat of the negotiations. We're not talking about the terms of the end of the war. We're talking about the shape of the table. So here... The definition of denuclearization, I think we have to have before we even start. The president is going to say that a personal relationship uh, supersedes all of that. President George W. Bush with Vladimir Putin. I call him Vlad. I looked into his eyes. I looked into his heart. And I knew he was a good guy and would never lie. Who are we kidding? The president, I do believe that Kim Jong-un is an honorable man. I, and I, I think he'll, uh, he'll uh, live up to his word. Really? Look at the history. It's fascinating that everybody around the world is a complete cynic over this, except for the president, who believes that a private relationship with a world leader somehow can massively influence the policy of him an entire country. Now, it helps the fact that Ronald Reagan and Margaret Thatcher had an extremely close relationship certainly helped. The fact that uh, President Obama and uh, and uh, Netanyahu, Benjamin Netanyahu, the uh, Prime Minister of Israel, that they have a horrible relationship, hated each other's guts, doesn't help. 
Now, does it change the basic foreign policy? Absolutely not. Donald Trump and Netanyahu, Netanyahu have a very close relationship. They like each other. That helps. Although, does it change the policy? No, Donald Trump changed the policy arbitrarily on his own. Well, let's just say unilaterally, not arbitrarily. He was going to do that anyway. I just think that uh, the president puts personal relationships and personal and just meetings uh, far more influential than they actually are. But then that's my call, right? That's just the way I see it. And how important am I? Well, in my view, I'm very important because I tend to listen to me. You may not. All right, uh, coming up, one of the hottest Instagram influencers. I want to talk about her, and there's a little surprise ending here, and I'm going to share that. This is KFI. There's Jennifer Jones. All right. Thursday, uh, June uh, 28th. Handle here on a rather auspicious Thursday, as we just heard about the retirement of uh, Justice Kennedy. The swing vote in the Supreme Court. He's gone or will be gone. And that means the president gets number two. And it will be a very conservative uh, justice, as you can imagine, changing the court completely. And we'll be talking more and more about that as the nominations come up, the names come up, uh, and the court watchers uh, will weigh in. Okay. I want to talk about influencers. Uh, Instagram, various um, social media. So uh, let me tell you about one. I don't know if you've seen her or heard of her. Lil Miquela, or Makia. I think it's Miquela. Uh She has uh, photos of herself. Uh, She's wearing high-end designer clothing. She has great caption. She wears clothes from companies like, and I don't even know these names, uh, Proenza, Schuller, never heard of that. Coach, of course, I've heard of. Uh, Balenciaga, is that right? How the hell do I know? Balenciaga. Balenciaga, great. Never heard of them either. Uh, She has about a million followers, mainly millennials and Gen Xers or Gen Zers. So uh, you've got these influencers, and there's a world to influencers. What, uh, and, and I know this because uh, to, I talk to my daughter all the time, who is on the Internet like crazy. And uh, she's, uh, matter of fact, I might as well pitch her product or pitch her uh, Pretty Poison 105 at Twitch TV. So in talking to her, and she was just at the E3 conference, and we had a bunch of people at our house we talked about influencers and how critically important influencers are. And you have these major companies that even pay influencers big money as well as free products. So uh, this particular influencer, uh, Lil Makia, Maquella, do I have that right? What, what is that? Lil Makayla. Lil Makaya. Good. Oh, you can tell I'm a big one on this one. Uh, she voices support for social causes uh, like Black Lives Matter, has partnered with Prada or Milan Fa- Fashion Week. She's even released a few songs on Spotify. I mean, this is big stuff. She started her Instagram account in 2016. She's 19 years old. Uh, she comes out of Downey, California, truly recognizable on social media. So why am I talking about her? Well, in April, she made a confession, writing in an Instagram post. I'm a robot. I'm not a human being. 
She's a G, a computer-generated image created by an L.A.-based startup called Brood. And Brood specializes in artificial intelligence and robotics. Now, uh, this is going to be an intro to my next topic. And if you think that this is kind of weird when you have people that you think that are people that aren't people who are major influencers. But wait a second, it looks like a person. I'm looking at a picture of her. You can't tell. I mean, that's how good graphics have become. She's part of an emerging group of fake virtual influencers. Bermuda, Blocko, Shudu. Boy, I know all of those, don't I? It's uh, kind of crazy. There's a fa- fashion photographer who is behind Shudu, has over 100, 120,000 followers. I don't even know if a photographer is real. And they're selling products. People are certainly listening to her. And here is the problem, uh, and that is uh, you've got the pundit saying, wait a minute, this is very confusing. There should be a transparent relationship. People should know who's real and who is not real. Really? Who the hell's real today? Uh, It's not obvious that uh, she's CG. Not obvious on the post level, uh, level, according to a social media professor at Syracuse. And the media professor said, when I was growing up, at least we knew Barbie was a doll. Now we have no idea. Well, I mean, think about this. And here are the people that advocate uh, CG and uh, saying it's really important. It's completely transparent. For example, when there's a real person that's photoshopped like hell, is that important? And when you're talking about pitching products and entertainment, how important is that? Influencers, virtual influencers are great for companies. A lot less risky than partnering with a person. There's control over the image. You can write anything you want because a good influencer has to be believable. And then you have uh, someone that the company's relying on that you really can't control. I mean, positive spins, but somewhat of a negative if possible. Well, if a country, if a company owns the influencer and creates it, then then a good copywriter can go absolutely crazy, can make it sound like it's a real person and an influencer, even independent, and of course not. But isn't that the same point when you hear personalities speak of products that they love? I happen to think I, I, I'm fanatic about when I tell you about a product. But I just happen to be crazy about it. Uh, I mean, not crazy about the product, but crazy about how I tell you about it. And that is, if I don't use it and believe in it, uh, I'm not going to tell you about it. But how many times have you seen print? ads, commercials, TV, all over the place in which eh, maybe uh, you're being pitched something that is not really believed. Where's the transparency there? See, there is no transparency. The only transparency that exists is saran wrap. That's it. The rest of it doesn't exist. 
So do I care? No, I don't care. And if, uh, you know, an influencer, uh, you're going to hear about a product anyway. And I and I know it's important for you to know that this young lady buys a product. And I'll bet you, I'm even willing to bet she has more influence when you know she's not real. Okay, now, that one was just fun. Now I want to go to something that may be really scary in the world of computers and in the world of technology. This one stunned me when I started reading about it. This is KFI. Let's check in with Jennifer Jones. Handle here. As we finish uh, the show on a a Thursday morning, also right after the show, uh, I'm going to be taking uh, phone calls for Handle on the Law, 800-520-1150. Oh, sorry, 877 520-1150. 520-1150. I don't know why I do that all the time. 877-520-1150. Uh, handle on the law, marginal legal advice. And I'll do that right after the show, off the air for future broadcast. All right, now, uh, the big story, of course, is Anthony uh, Kennedy has resigned. And we'll be talking about that like crazy over the next uh, several weeks. And I'm sure that Gary and Shannon, actually, it's uh, uh, Gary and uh, Rich Murata today. As Shannon has a day off. All right. So, uh, do you remember uh, when IBM won at Jeopardy, the IBM computer? I think it was Watson. And then there was a chess championship between Kasparov and an IBM computer. And the computer won. So, uh, there's a new one. And this one is, it's a new step in the world of um, artificial intelligence. So at a media gathering this month, there was a black artificial intelligence uh, IBM computer with a screen for a face, and it didn't play chess. It didn't simply win at Jeopardy and answer facts, which it can easily do. Today, a computer can go into the Internet and answer almost anything. Matter of fact, just go on your phone and ask Siri or whatever program you're in and just ask a question. What's the difference between here and Helsinki? Uh, How many people in 1937 played uh, professional baseball? It doesn't matter. They'll come up with the answer, the the computers, because that's fact-based. How about debating? There's one. In one debate face-off, IBM's Project Debater. It's an AI computer made the case in favor of government subsidizing space exploration. And he debated against a Israeli debate champion, Noah Ovadia, who took the opposite position. Right. Government uh, subsidizing space exploration. Now, we're not just talking facts here. We are talking delivering an argument. Thinking through logic. Spinning it making it more palatable. And guess who won? Well, in this case, it was Ovadia, the uh, champion, the debate champion, by a little tiny bit. In the second debate uh, against another debater, Dan Zafrir, uh, the margin became even slimmer with the computer, of course, the big winner in the knowledge department. And at least nine audience members, and there were tens of audience there, changed their mind completely on the topic to the point of the computer. 
The debaters were not made aware of the topics, either the machine or people. Each side had four minutes to make an opening statement, uh, followed by a four-minute rebuttal, a two-minute closing summary. The computer went first. And we're talking about topics like, should income taxes exist? I mean, that's pretty complicated stuff. Should antibiotics be used in our food supply? Will autonomous cars help safety? So what the computer does goes through the IBM cloud and scans billions of sentences to generate a coherent and persuasive position on the given topic. And then listens to the opponent's speech and then generates what looks like a spontaneous compelling rebuttal. That's a new step in uh, artificial intelligence. Oh, and uh, IBM isn't alone. You've got Google, Apple, Microsoft, Facebook. Uh, everybody is racing to feed into that. And it makes the argument that Elon Musk and Stephen Hawking made that artificial intelligence could spell doom for human civilization. All right, talking about doom for human civilization, uh, Gary. Gary Hoffman. Yes. Let me guess. Yeah. Anthony Kennedy uh, retiring. Don't know who that is, exactly. but I, we'll talk about the Supreme Court either way. Um, yes, Anthony Kennedy retiring. What's going to happen over the next few months? People spelling doom and gloom for for any number of political issues. Oh, yeah. Been... This morning, for example, I said, uh, if you happen to be gay, get your dorking in right now. No, no one's going to stop to be... doing that just because. I, 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 think, that, I think those are wildly... Um, out of the realm of that what's really, going to happen. Even overturning Roe v. Wade is probably not going to happen. It's going to be chipped away. It can be chipped away. But it's not going to be a on-point uh, yeah. overturning. You know what's weird? And I was thinking about this today. I have never been alive since uh, Roe v. Wade. I have never been alive since... Roe v. Wade was, was decided in 1973, the year that I was born. Yeah. So there's never been a time... In my life, well, it's a lot where of it hasn't been of, legal. It's a lot of years ago. Yeah. Although in your lifetime, certainly, it has been chipped away. Sure. There's been a and lot it's got, of chipping. But it's gone both ways. I mean, right. there's, enough, there's a lot of chipping at it, but there's, there's also... Unchipping. Un gluing it back. Putting pieces back on right. it. Sorry, we'll talk about that. We have uh, fireworks in the house going on right now because the Deputy Attorney General Rod Rosenstein and the FBI Director Christopher Wray are answering questions about whether or not or when they will turn over documents about the FBI's investigation into the 2016 elections. Republicans are pissed because... They think that the FBI is withholding a bunch of documents about the investigation into the Trump campaign, the FBI informant that was supposedly there as well. So uh, all of that is going on right now. And then we have a great story about unicorn farts. Fabulous. And an even better story about a guy whose skin disorder. I don't even know if skin oh, disorder no. was right. It the was, one that it, smelled yeah, so was, bad on an was, airplane, yeah. they had to put him in the bathroom. It was necrosis. And then they had to land the plane because yeah. he smelled so oh, bad. Oh, it is. It's, you can talk about it because it's, I'm eating a sandwich. <laughs> uh, okay. And Rich Murat is in today, right, filling in for Shannon. That's right. So that should be a fun show. Through and the... I'm taking phone calls for Handle on the Law off the air. I do it for about an hour. So if you have a marginal legal question, would like marginal legal advice, you can pick up the phone right now and call 877-520-1150, 877-520-1150, starting in just a few moments. Uh, coming up, uh, I think it's the first time, an unusual show, Gary and Rich Murata. Never happened before. By the way, call him Ricky. Oh, that's you a know, good idea. He grew, you know, he grew up as a Ricky. Yeah. 
Yeah. You grew up as a... William until I was about 12. Oh, I thought you were going to come up with some name that no, the, I'm not the bullies a, would call you. No, I'm not a Willie. I'm not a Billy. No. The only thing, my, uh, my dear friend. Nobody called you punk ass or anything like no, that? No, 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 no. Oh. Well, yeah, but uh, that's that's <laughs> only between me and the therapist. Okay, 877-520-1150. Coming up, Gary and Rich Murata. All right, Gary, have a good show. Thank you, sir. Uh, this is KFI AM 640.